it. <laughs> hey, it's Muchacha for our uh, first uh, non-attached outing of uh, a, a little special segment we we were doing, but at one point we didn't do it anymore, or at least for a while. Uh, this is cool shit. Uh, Jeffrey, would you would you like to do a quick rundown of what we what we mean by cool shit? Well, it's our um, science, history, and technology segment. Um, basically, anything that's fairly intellectual and cool. <laughs> so shit that is cool. Yes, exactly. That explains it. All right. Well, Jeffrey, uh, how shall we start off on our cool shit? Well, our first story: the staff here sucks. With more uh, uh, pun, more and more uh, bacteria species be, are becoming resistant to antibiotics we have available. Scientists are desperately looking for new ways to protect against infections. According to the Center for Disease Controls, around eighty thousand MRSA infections are diagnosed in the U.S. each year, and eleven thousand people die from MRSA complications. And right Jesus now, Christ. yeah, and right now we don't That's have a really high percentage. Yeah, eleven thousand out of eighty. Uh, and right now we, we really don't have many options to fight MRSA. Um, however, researchers recently discovered a new compound which has been named Darwinolide. The compound found in the Antarctic sponge Dendrilla membrosa. <laughs> what? This, is, this is like the recipe for the start of the zombie apocalypse, isn't it? <laughs> the special Antarctic sponge recently <laughs> discovered. Well, it's a good thing we've uh, not allowed oil drilling in the Arctic. Let's put it that way, because uh, this might uh, come in handy. Um, but it has shown the Dendrilla membranosa has shown to kill ninety-eight point four percent of MRSA cells. Uh, Jeffrey, have have you ever been afflicted with MRSA? No. Uh, let me tell you, it is. Oh, let's see. My wife, before anybody really knew what it was, it was before we got married. It was just, we had just started dating. Apparently, uh, an ex-boyfriend of hers had it and she contracted it and, but she didn't know what it was. In fact, she actually thought it was a spider bite. Um, and then I got the same sort of thing that she had. Like her, her mom's a nurse. And so I remember one day she came up, like she came and like dug out the wound and basically just like did a, a minor impromptu surgery by just removing the, you know, the affected area. It's like called a large uh, bump. What's that called? Debrading? Yeah. Yeah. And she, and like she's like, oh, it's probably a brown recluse bite. And, Turns out about a month later, I got the same thing, but it was right on my, like, uh, right to the, the, the left of my the corner of my mouth. And ooh, ooh. I didn't know what it was. And it was like, it not only did it look like a big zit, but it fucking hurt. And so I had to go, you know, like they sent me to the dermatologist. He's like, yeah, you've got MRSA. Uh, and like my, I just remember my whole face, like the whole side of my face feeling like stiff and hard. Ooh, it's that's giggles there. Uh, but anyway, he's like, yeah, the, this MRSA thing is pretty relentless. And I remember like hearing these stories and over the next few years, but what, what he prescribed was this, you know, the salve to put on it that, uh, and this is, he said like, not a lot of people are aware of it, but MRSA hides out and lies dormant in people's noses. So not only did he yeah. give me the salve to put on the wound, he, uh, he told me to stick a Q-tip with the salve up my nose, even like a week or two after the, the wound had cleared up. Um, and sure. Yeah. I also got like a big heap and like 
sci-fi level needle stuck in my side my ass uh to combat the infection so like this is a it was a big deal and i remember hearing shortly thereafter that like uh elementary schoolers in that area were like dying from it it's like what the fuck so like you, you don't think it's a big deal but MRSA is like near apocalyptic man i've i've seen the pictures where it looks like they've taken ice cream scoops to people and just <laughs> scooped yeah. out chunks of flesh it's oh god yeah, it's 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 terrible, and just just the fact that like people weren't really aware, like oh that stuff can hide in nose. Like if my now wife had known back then what it was and how to get rid of it permanently, and she, you know, sure enough, like she she thought that she was probably still carrying it at that point because the the, the dermatologist at the time had said like oh they can stay in there for a while unless you treat it. Uh, so she started putting the cream up her, her nostrils as well and. Uh, haven't had it since, thankfully. Well, but yeah, staff can definitely hang out on the nares. That's what nose hair is called, nares. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, probably from all the shit we breathe in, literally. Oh, <laughs> <clears throat> okay. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, it's okay. That's personal stories. That's why we're here. Um, yeah. Let's see. A quote from uh, one researcher, James McClintock. Uh, it's a defensive compound against microbes with some very interesting properties. It's still very early days, but it isn't the first time that medical, uh, medically interesting compounds have been found lurking in the ocean's organisms in Antarctica. McClintock and his team have already identified a compound in algae that fights the H1N1 strain of the flu virus and another that acts against melanoma skin cancer. That's good. Do, do you not like sort of feel that the h1n1 strain of the flu was sort of like the lakers this past year where like you thought that they're gonna be really awesome but they just sucked that was the swine flu right say what that was the swine flu right the h1n1 yeah yeah, yeah. and it just like nothing ever came of it my wife and i had it it, it didn't feel great but um but it floored because she'd never been really sick before luckily uh. Luckily, I have been really sick before, so I was just like, "All right, I know, I felt this bad before. I'll, I'll deal and I'll take care of you." <laughs> uh, you know, it's like I remember getting like deathly ill my last semester of college over spring be- spring break, mind you. Bummer. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was just like, okay, that was. Pro- I mean, even to this day, is the worst. It's the worst I've ever been. Uh, but that was still uh, nothing like because, like you said, I know people who caught the H one N one. And they said it was basically a minor case of the flu for most of them. Well, when I took my wife to the doctor uh, to get it confirmed, you know, I felt okay when we got there. And just, you know, we were there uh, like an hour and a half. And by the time we were almost ready to leave, I went from being fine to something's wrong. <laughs> I feel like quick. shit. Yeah. So they, they gave me the, you know, the, um, Z packs and stuff as well. They, Anyways, they gave you an antibiotic for the flu virus. Oh, this is why antibiotics are becoming useless. Jeff. A, a lot of it's because of the, you know, we, we give the cows antibiotics cause I think it makes them fatter. What was the last thing you said? I think they may, I think they give cows antibiotics cause it makes them fatter. Oh yeah, yeah. 
which is really fucking things up. Anyways, where were we? The researchers have have, uh, now patented the compound, but are still in the process of understanding exactly how it works. Lab tests so far suggest that it has a unique structure that allows it to penetrate the biofilm that MRSA throws up to protect itself from treatments. Uh, The next step is to synthesize darwinolide in a lab so they don't have to rely on extracting it from live Antarctic sponges. Excuse me. Uh, with global warming coming, that's probably a good idea. Uh, yeah, you think? <laughs> this will provide further insight about its structure and will help the team work out exactly how it fights. Wait, wait. Speaking of Antarctic sponges, have you seen the other recent news about how the hole in the ozone over the Ant- Antarctica is healing itself? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I just wonder, like, you know, back in the day when we were growing up, all the ladies who were using, like, two cans of hairspray to like make their hair big the big hair yep <laughs> I, I i wonder if hairspray is, is gonna make a comeback now and, and with it big hair well they i think they have hairspray now that doesn't have the you know the whatever it was that was destroying the, the chlorophoryl carbons yeah oh yeah probably right but that, right, just, that just proves to people you know, there's lots of people oh there's nothing we can do it's hopeless absolutely nothing uh <laughs> you remember uh was it robocop 2 that uh had that ad about this basically this thick blue sunscreen you, you that's can the first to one out, to be outdoors yeah <laughs> i'd buy that for a dollar <laughs> so we stopped that from happening i mean maybe we could stop uh, global warming if we actually got off our asses and did something about it uh, uh, maybe but uh back to MRSA. in the meantime in the very first cool shit i mentioned a study that found three compounds from three different strains of industrial hemp that are highly effective against MRSA. Uh, so one or all of these compounds needs to hit the market as quickly as possible uh one good thing about hemp drive compounds is that it doesn't need to be synthesized just extracted from one of the easiest plants to grow in the world because it's hemp Right, yeah. and that's that's it about MRSA. There, there's hope. Um, uh, well, that all sounds good, and uh, yeah, MRSA, man. If you think you got a spider bite or a zit that makes your body parts go entirely stiff around the area, then uh, that's probably not a spider bite. You probably contracted MRSA, and that's bad. So go get that treated ASAP. And if you do get bit by a brown recluse or you know blackwood or something that uh, necrotizing toxin they have, uh, I actually saw something a long time ago about um, people using electroshock. Like they had stun guns, they were zapping uh, around areas that were starting to necrotize, um, and it stopped it. Oh. So. Look into that if you get bit by a spider and, and you keep getting these wounds. Well, we, we are a fountain of useful knowledge. It's, it's a good thing we're doing this. <laughs> cool shit. It is a what? public service. I, I know a lot of stuff. <laughs> Yay, stuff. All right, carry on, sir. A long-lost Mozart score has been found buried in a Czech museum. What? Yeah. A long-lost operatic musical composition co-composed by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart has been discovered in the reserve of the Czech National Museum in Prague. I uh, don't think I, I, I've i heard this story, uh, at least if it's recent. I definitely have not heard it. I was just looking at one story, and it's just you know the shit you come across on the internet you're not looking for. Um, well, shit, shit in a barrel, man. That's cool. <laughs> It's a joint musical composition by Mozart uh, and Antonio Salieri, 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 and Lorenzo da Ponte. Da Ponte. Uh, for those of you who are in the know, 
uh, Salieri was the antagonist of the 1984 Oscar-winning film Amadeus, one of my all-time favorite movies, and I'm a huge Mozart fan, going back way back to, to 1984, when I likely first saw that movie uh, very very soon after it came out in theaters. We, we had HBO or whatever back then, and I watched that movie, and I was just obsessed thereafter. Anyway, that's actually pretty damn cool. And of course, the historicity behind the story of Amadeus is very, very different than the actual history, although there's much mystery behind it, so you can read into some things. And I've been trying this. I've been trying to find an actual copy that's not part of a news story where they're talking over it so I can play it for you guys. So hopefully I'll have that some like somewhere at the end of the show if I can find it. What, what, what are you talking about? Oh, the, the actual the composition? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, all the videos Kick I've been able to find is got reporters talking over it. It's like, shut up! I want to hear it. Shut up, you fuckers! <laughs> it's probably oh, uploaded on YouTube. I don't know why, but the movie Amadeus, um, you know, just shows you how your brain can change things over time. I, I remember we had this conversation. I was convinced that, it, that Robert Downey Jr. played Mozart in that. <laughs> Uh, no, in fact, it's it's Tom Holes. I know. You're like, uh, no. Animal, I'm calling Animal, for, Animal House. <laughs> You're like, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, no, no. <clears throat> Robert Downey Jr. probably would have been a bit too young at that point. I remember one of his first movies was, that I remember him seeing him in was uh, Weird Science. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, Weird oh. Science. And if I can't find uh, uh, the Mozart score, maybe I'll play a little uh, Rock Me Amadeus. Uh, or you can play that. Have you have you seen this with Samuel L. Jackson summing up the first six seasons of Game of Thrones? Uh-uh. Oh, my God. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Is that too anyway. Mozart music? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, our next story. A wicker basket full of water is more plausible than it sounds. Pictures, pictures, um, pictures. Right. <laughs> Around the world, 768 million people don't have access to safe water, some of them in Flint. And, <laughs> and every day, 1,400 children under the age of five die from water-based diseases. Um, designer Arturo Vittori believes the solution is to, to, hit, to this catastrophe lies not in high technology, but in sculptures that look like giant-sized objects from the pages of a Pier 1 catalog. Uh, his stunning water towers stand nearly 30 feet tall and, c- and can collect over 25 gallons of potable water per day by harvesting atmospheric water vapor. Interesting. All right. Zombie apocalypse time. Yeah. Uh, where, where my secret location is to go. We're going to have to employ these. Just letting you know. <laughs> well, the thing is called a Warka water tower. Um, each pillar is comprised of two sections, a semi-rigid exoskeleton built by tying stalks of juncus, I've never heard of that, or bamboo together, and an internal plastic mesh uh, reminiscent of bags, the, the bags that oranges come in. Um, oh, okay. the, the nylon and polypropylene fibers act as a scaffold for con- condensation, and as the droplets of dew form, they follow the mesh into a basin at the base of the structures. Ew. That kind of reminds me of uh, um, how uh, 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 horny toads 
they uh they basically have these these ridges and and the spines and basically what they're one of the reasons the spines and ridges are there is actually for the dew to collect and they have this these this line that goes all the way down their body to their mouth and basically through capillary action it pulls the water from all over its body to the corners of its mouth and um Jeff this is where we this is where we know you know stuff again <laughs> but basically the, uh, that and like the, what they get from insects, they never actually like take a drink of standing water. It's all from their body and their food. Isn't that weird? That is weird. <laughs> well, anyways, the Worka water is designed to provide clean water as well as ensure long-term environmental, financial, and social st- sustainability. Uh, once locals have the necessary know-how, they will be able to teach other villagers and communities to build the Worka water towers. Each tower can cost approximately $550 and can be built in under a week with a four-person team and locally available materials. Now, $550 doesn't sound a lot to like most people in the U.S., but... That has to be a shit ton of money in like, well, Africa. Yeah, and it's but it's water and it looks like it would be sustainable for a long period of time. That's true. You definitely need water. And you know, um you might be asking, you know, why not just dig a well? Well, in some places, let's take Ethiopia as an example, drilling one thousand five hundred feet into Ethiopia's rocky plateaus is more expensive than the five hundred and fifty dollars. Um yeah. Even when a well is dug, maintaining pumps and ensuring a reliable electricity in third world areas makes the proposition unlikely. Um, <clears throat> the structure weighs 88 pounds and is 26 feet wide at its broadest point. That's bigger than I thought. Um, but swoops dramatically to just a few feet across at its smallest point. Uh, Vittoria and his team have tested the design in multiple locations and continue to look for improvements that increase the frame stability while simultaneously making it easier for villagers to clean the internal mesh. Um, and well, in, in the spirit of the segment, that it's actually really fucking cool. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, different things I've, I've heard of uh, um, them collecting uh, dew uh, basically in the sky, you know, like higher up where it's, you know, wetter and just, mm. you know, having condensators. We're, we're going to be like, uh, you know, Tatooine. Tatooine. We're going to have moisture Blue Skywalker with our moisture <laughs> evaporators. <laughs> yep. All right. And our next story. But I want story. to go to Tachi Station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> uh, poor Uncle, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for the longest time when I saw that scene, I didn't realize that those were dead, burnt bodies because I was so little. Oh, yeah. It wasn't until I watched it, you know, and I was uh, probably around 10 or 11. I was like, those are dead bodies. Holy shit. I never noticed that before. <laughs> uh, I remember noticing it, but just not really. It didn't phase me. <laughs> uh, our next story. Weed. Better remember this study. Oh, God damn it, Jeff. <laughs> Uh, Your proclivity for puns wearing me out. (laughs) Um, An active compound in marijuana called uh, tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC, has been found to promote the removal of toxic clumps of amyloid beta proteins in the brain, which are thought to kickstart the progress of Alzheimer's. Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying if we smoke weed, we won't get get Alzheimer's? Yes, apparently. Well, well, shit. Uh, (laughs) In a related story, because you know I'm 
keen on news stories for whatever sciences I can find. Uh, but I follow, I fucking love science on Facebook. And I just, right before we set up to do this today, I clicked on a link that said, uh, NASA confirms that marijuana contains alien DNA. What? I, well, I clicked on it because I wanted. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> uh, I feel science is usually very measured in its response to things like this, but uh, I clicked on it. it was actually it, it was basically just clickbaiting to see if people actually read the articles behind the headlines. And it was actually about a study about how people on social media will repost links. Uh, without actually reading the content. And I thought that was hilarious because I know a f- <laughs> fuck ton of people who do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, especially like the, the, the fake news article. Like, you know, I'm not saying that I know people who are reposting on- onion articles, which is, you know, satirical, <laughs> but there are it a happens. lot of fake news websites out there and people are just posting the shit. I'm like, this isn't even remarkable. Like, there's doesn't make any sense. Yeah. If you think it's dubious, you can always check uh, PubMed. Any type what of, is it? Any type of a scientific or medical thing. If you think it oh. might be dubious, there's a site called PubMed. Got it. Well, yeah, yeah. And of course, there's Snopes and things and like the Snopes. that. But, uh, man, I thought, I thought it was funny. Anyway, uh, sorry, continue. Right. We'd better remember this. <laughs> An active compound in marijuana. Oh, I already said that. Uh, the finding supports the results of previous studies that found evidence of the protective effects of cannabinoids, including THC, on patients with uh, neurodegenerative diseases. So, yeah, it's, um, uh, it's good for a lot of the neurodegenerative diseases. Um, and oh, God. I think it might even be good for demyelinating diseases. Um, in other in other words, old people, if you want to remember what your loved ones l- look like, you're going to need to take your Wheaties. Oh, God. God damn it, Jeff. <laughs> uh, David, David Schubert from the Salk Institute for Biological Studies in California stated that although other studies have offered evidence that cannabinoids might be neuroprotective against the symptoms of Alzheimer's, we believe our study is the first to demonstrate that cannabinoids affect both inflammation and amyloid beta accumulation in nerve cells. Uh, Schubert and his uh, colleagues tested the effects of THC on human neurons grown in the lab that mimic the effects of Alzheimer's disease. Um, if you're not familiar with this special little compound, it's not only responsible for the majority of marijuana's psychological effects, including the high, uh, thanks to its natural pain-relieving properties, it is also touted as an effective treatment for the symptoms of from everything from HIV and chemotherapy to chronic pain, post-traumatic stress disorder, and stroke. Um, so... I'm going to go get high. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the, the, there's a lot of stuff that the CBD will do for you, and, and then you don't have to get high, but apparently there's a lot of stuff the THC can do for you. For So instead of having that glass of wine, have a bowl full of Wheaties. Uh, well, uh, they say that glass of wine is also – a glass of red wine every day is extraordinarily healthy. So I wonder – you'd probably feel pretty, pretty good if you had a glass of red wine. I, I'm going to say, like, why do they bowl? have to be mutually exclusive? Can <laughs> we true. not – Eat our Wheaties and drink our red wine at the same time? Yes, resveratrol. It's very good for you. Um, anyway. No one's entirely sure what causes Alzheimer's disease, but it's thought to result from the buildup of two types of lesions, amyloid plaques and neurofibrils tangles. Uh, it's not clear why these lesions begin to appear in the brain, but studies have linked 
have been linked to inflammation in the brain tissue to proliferate the plaques and neurofibril tangles. So if we can find something that eases brain inflammation, marijuana, while at the same time encouraging the body to clear out these lesions, marijuana, we could be on the way to finding the first effective treatment for Alzheimer's disease. Um, well, they, there was another study that came out about treating Alzheimer's recently, too. Uh, do you remember hearing about that? Yes. But uh, oh, it's something about um, uh, yes, it was uh, about. Um, we should have done closer than that too. But basically, uh, it, <laughs> hey. there's there's this uh, there's this chemical that helps with Alzheimer's that has trouble crossing the blood brain barrier. Uh-huh. So what so what they would do is they would take ultrasound or or maybe it was infrasound. I can't remember some kind of, some type of ultrasound. They, they were ultrasound. doing this in like lab rats, right? Yeah, and what they were doing is they were. St- they were very, very temporarily damaging the blood-brain barrier to allow this medicine to pass into the brain. And because they were using sound, it was the, the, the damage was so slight, it healed like, within days. So Fascinating. Yeah. Is that the one you're talking about? It, it might very well be. I, I actually don't remember. I remember seeing the headline. I don't even know if I clicked on the article. Mm. Um, back in 2006, uh, researchers at Scripps Research Institute found that THC inhibits the formation of amyloid plaques by blocking the enzyme in the brain that produces them. And now Schubert and his team have demonstra- demonstrated that it can also eliminate a dangerous inflammatory response from the nerve cells, ensuring their survival. Um, but just remember... Marijuana is a Schedule One substance and therefore has no current accepted medical uses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're having trouble remembering that fact, you're probably too high or getting old and need to get high. Um, oh, that, that could very well be. But seriously, people, who who believes that marijuana should be a Schedule One drug? Uh, people like that should be lumped in with like flat earthers. People believe in trickle down economics. Zenu corporations are people. Oh. My <laughs> oh, oh man, you just called out the Scientologists again. Corporations are people, my friends, and that Friends was the best show ever. Oh shit, you just threw down. <laughs> I know, I just pissed off a lot of people. Uh, in fact, THC appears to be such an amazing medical agent. Researchers are working on breeding genetically modified yeast that can produce that can produce it marijuana, you know, THC way more efficiently than it would be able to make synthetic versions. So in a world, wait, sorry, let's put my, my Fontaine boys in a world of closed minded people, a group of scientists will take their medical miracle of THC producing yeast and try to enlighten the world coming this fall to AMC. It's baking bread. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on! That's a good good take on Breaking Bad. That, right? that was good. That was good. Your your uh, your THC containing yeast. I, I got. I get it. I, That'd be awesome. I mean, that would that would, um, that would really fuck up a lot of people's low carb diet thing, though. Well, I mean, you could, you could also make some some probably some damn good brownies out of that too. <laughs> well, anyways, that's all the shit that's cool for this time. Yay! All right, uh, Muchacha out. All right, Jeff out.